reached it. Corner of Hunter and George, number 10. 10th episode. It may not seem like much, and I guess it isn't in today's podcast stricken world. It just filled to the brim with every single one on every single subject, but I'm still kind of proud I've reached number 10. It's taken me five months, five and a half almost pretty much to reach this, but I'm still proud that I've done it. Ten episodes. So this is the corner of Hunter and George where mainly I speak to people in the artistic community in Peterborough and in the nearby area. Sometimes reach beyond, sometimes even go a bit non-artistic, but that is the main theme of it. So you can subscribe to Corner of Hunter and George on iTunes, on Spotify. Still working a bit on SoundCloud. But hopefully you can join along and this can continue where I can reach 20, 30, whatever, many episodes. All right. the more I do, the merrier I am, I think. Though it does take a bit of work. Well, in this episode, we're talking with Benj Rowland. Benj Rowland, one half of the duo The May Hemingways, but he released a solo record called Community Garden, which was released to the public on March 15th. And he's having an album release show on April 9th at Gordon Best Theatre, also featuring Kayla Muhammad and and, uh, J.J. Swin and the Haymakers. So... We're going to talk in this episode right here. Uh, We're both kind of soft-spoken. Don't know if you're going to get quite as much out of this interview as you have out of others, but maybe not. Maybe there's some insight you'll see that I haven't really said on others. And we're going to talk over basically focused on the album Community Garden. Unfortunately, I have a few technical glitches that I'll be able to uh, minimize for you, but my apologies for that beforehand. So here is my interview with Benj Roland. Benj, uh, thank you very much for uh, joining me at this time. Yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah that's uh, great. Yeah, I just uh, thought it was an uh, opportunity for me to speak about your uh, album, which is I think was... Community Garden, which I believe was released uh, to the public on March 15th, mm-hmm. yeah, and also that you're having uh, album release party, uh, album release date on uh, April 9th at Gordon Best. So, uh, yeah. so I just mainly uh, focus on that on that for today. Um, yeah, sadly, even though it seems it seemed kind of springish at times, I think we're getting freezing rain today. But anyway, oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was too good to be true. Yes. Uh, so, um, what I was uh, is so I this album is this album your first uh, solo record? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. my first proper one. I made lots. I made stuff when I was a teenager. Well, not like in my early twenties, late teens, early twenties, but wasn't really it was Mm -hmm. just messing around and yeah this is my first full length as a under my own name yeah okay and how would you say uh so so of course your most of your work's been with the may hemingways but how would you say this work uh, this solo project differs say from what you've done with uh josh on may hemingways um i guess it's it's sort of built to be performed solo. It's built. It is built to be performed 
yeah, something I can accomplish on my own. So that's different. Because my Hemingway's, it's always built with the drums in mind and the collaboration in mind. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so there's some different sounds on this. Like, I guess the only real different sound is the drum machine. But uh, the rest is all kind of the same. I think it's fairly similar and has a thread through all the previous work. Right. Yeah. And I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of wasn't able to pick out a huge contrast between what you've done uh, with May Hemingway's and on this record. Uh, but is there a certain instrumentation kind of map you had out for this solo record of how it was like, what instruments or how it was going to be arranged? Um, yeah, there's a map. Um, I think there's bells on every track. Um, almost every track. Mm -hmm. That was kind of a thing I wanted to have for the record. The foot bells. They're like bells you wear on your mm -hmm. ankles. Um, the drop, the bass, the bass pedals that I play with my feet. That's something I always did in my Hemingways too. So that's a through line. It's a lot of through lines, basically, like. It's just my writing. Like one person can't really change that much. I don't think. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, the only real difference is playing with a drum machine. Yeah. Okay. Other than this and my Hemingways. And thematically, I was sort of picking up, I guess, from both what I've read and just listening to it, that it seems to be a combination of uh, kind of life. <laughs> In a place like Peterborough, like small city, Peterborough in this day and age, also sort of slash sort of kind of life as a independent musician, maybe just before COVID or maybe before just before COVID and during now. Is that, is that kind of a, what you say is sort of a correct interpretation yeah. of the theme? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty uh, astute. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Well, yeah, it's just picking up what you said, I believe, in quarter an hour or something like that. But um, uh, now we will come back to that that theme in a sec. But I first, I guess, have to ask as someone my age who remembers the 90s pretty well, uh, what was it like working with uh, Joel Plaskett, who had uh, produced this album? Um, it's great. Yeah, it's, uh, working with someone like him is... Uh good opportunity to learn you just learn by watching just how they uh how he uh, <clears throat> um how he uses his equipment makes decisions um yeah it's great to uh work with someone that you trust their um style and their judgment and yeah that's kind of what uh I think that's what uh, working with a producer should be or something, yeah. Mm -hmm. And did you connect with them through, I think, like <clears throat> a previous tour you had done or something like, along those lines when you were with May Hemingway? Yeah, May, May Hemingway had done a tour with him and his dad for their album release in 2017. So we got to know them then and... We had done some recording in his studio. He's got a great studio in Dartmouth, so great space to work in. And yeah, that's how we got to know him. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, um, and of course, the song that sort of uh, came to the most attention as of this is the one that uh, he won the songwriting contest on Skews. Uh, songwriting contest, which maybe we could talk a bit about, but uh, congratulations on that first. But uh, um, I guess, first of all, we'll get into the song in a sec, but um, what, what is, to people who don't know, who is it, what is a Don Skew's songwriting contest, of your, to your knowledge, anyway? Um, I guess it was started by Greg Wells. Yeah, I'm not... Uh... 
Yeah, I'm not 100% on the whole details, but Greg Wells is a guy that grew up in Peterborough and now is a producer in L.A. Mm -hmm. And when Don Skuse passed, I guess he wanted to do some kind of tribute or bursary or whatever to, uh, you know, carry out, keep Don's name alive. Don being the proprietor of Ed's Music Workshop, which is, I don't know how much I have to explain. Um, yeah, no, that's, <clears throat> yeah, no, fair amount. And did you do, like you, did you have to submit your song into this or did it? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, you, um, you submit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they've done a bunch of rounds. I figured, yeah, I might as well submit. Yeah. And so the song itself, of course, is about the uh, former pub that was on Brock Street. Um, so is there anything you can say about uh, the pig's ear itself, like what it meant to you personally, that, uh, that place? Yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty important music venue in Peterborough. <clears throat> mm -hmm. It became that. It was pretty much the only place I played in Peterborough. Was where um, May Hemingway's always played, and um, yeah, so we spent I don't know, not a ton of years, but probably five years playing there at least I don't know and um, yeah a lot of uh, a lot of stuff happened in that time and memories and yeah you know then it's gone so yeah. well yeah the it's a significant it, thing yeah uh, so <clears throat> the obvious thing of course it was a place to play and I guess you were most struck by that it closed but I guess uh during its during its time I guess it was something that uh was a place to play and you could make a bid on but it was still am I correct in saying it was still just for for musicians like you a matter of just barely scraping by sort of thing oh yeah like the sentiment in the song yeah yes that's kind like, of what I'm getting from it yeah 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 I mean it was actually a good gig. It was, mm -hmm. it was, it was quirky. That's what the song was trying to like talk about. Like they would never charge more than three dollars at the door. One time, they charged five dollars, and when we played on uh, New Year's Eve, but it's just quirky things like that. Three dollars at the door. It's just like eventually you're sort of want to be like I think we should charge more at the door for our shows it just you know you want to change and things aren't changing I guess that's what the song was sort of expressing stuff like after like I wrote that song after we did the tour with the Plaskets and we had played all these big rooms like we had played Massey Hall and stuff and then I was like, how can I go back to playing the pigs here for $3? But <laughs> of course you have to act in reality. But the thing is, it closed before I had to make that decision. So, <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, I think it's important actually you do portray it that way because I think sometimes in a, like in a generalized way, people understandably over the last two years have gotten a sense of uh really like getting overly nostalgic about the way things were before covid and uh i think i think you're getting like a more of a like a proper picture of things like that yes three dollars at the door i can't imagine that being sustainable for for many for too yeah, long but, but yeah it sort of yeah. but the funny thing was that it did work Mm -hmm. In some ways, like we actually did make pretty decent money. Sometimes stuff like that works, and right. like, you know that's fine. But 
You can't do it forever, I guess. Yeah, things no. change and be different. Yeah. Well, the last couple of years, I get you haven't really had too much of a say on like places that have closed or just been not available to play. So, um, I guess is um, sort of maybe uh, indirectly is one reason you're doing uh, community guards now, like. Uh, solo record is because basically you've found yourself working more on your own or it's like live shows are just not haven't been happening that much well i wanted to have something to do when josh isn't available to do may hemingway stuff i just wanted to be able to keep being busy when i when other people are busy doing other stuff, you can't always be working with people. They have other stuff to do. So that's kind of why I wanted to get a solo thing going on. Um, <clears throat> what else? I think that was mostly the sort of thought behind doing a solo thing, yeah. And this, it was recorded before the pandemic, so we didn't, I don't know, we didn't know what was happening. It was recorded right, almost two years ago, exactly this time, in February, two years ago, February, right as the, uh, before the first uh, lockdown was coming into Canada and stuff, so. Oh, really? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is definitely, so these songs are definitely from a, pre-covid time yeah and uh so i guess i must ask then what's uh why is it taken two years for it to be released uh sort of thing well i'm combination of uh i'm slow at the best of times and these haven't been the best of times i would say so um yeah it's been just incredibly slow <laughs> i've been incredibly slow i don't know being yeah with the pandemic and lockdowns you sort of feel like you're in suspended animations you don't know what's gonna happen so yeah that and yeah i'm slow i got it on vinyl so it, that takes eight months mm -hmm. just to get vinyl back so combination of me being very slow at working and all these other factors just even at the best of times it always takes me a I usually record and then it's out next year that's how long it takes me when I'm in normal times I guess so yeah right right um and uh one person I'm I'm not sure what role he played on this album but I know you've worked with him a lot before uh, James McKenty. Uh, so, uh, you, you've worked with him a lot in the past as well, I believe. Uh, correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I wouldn't say a lot, but <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. So we're pretty familiar with each other. He didn't have anything really going on with this record. Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to be working together for this Don Skews thing. So I'm looking forward to that. And I was actually in his studio last night recording with another band. So, yeah. Okay. But, okay. In this two years, uh, have you found yourself writing a lot of songs yourself? Like that have nothing to do with Community Garden? or? Mm, no, I haven't. I haven't thought about I haven't been writing at all I've been um, I guess I have been sort of doing a little bit of what I do when I'm writing which is remember snippets of things I just mm -hmm. look back and I have a bunch of stuff but I don't um, <clears throat> I don't think I tend to write if I'm not performing live because um that's my my driver to write new stuff is usually because I'm sick of what I'm performing live. I want something better. 
-hmm. And because I haven't had that live thing, and I've sort of been waiting for this record to come out. Yeah, and also I tend to feel like one if a record isn't out yet, I don't feel the pressure to write or the interest because I'm sort of focused on all the stuff it takes to get that out. Now that it's out, I've been thinking about writing again, even though I haven't really been playing. So I guess it might not really even be the live thing that pushes it, but uh, I think it is. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. <clears throat> no, I haven't been writing. I've been, uh, yeah, there's been a bunch of other stuff I've been, I focused on during the pandemic, like, uh, I was doing live streaming and so that was like learning a lot about computers and like learning all this different software and all the stuff I could do with computers. I started doing uh, MIDI controlled animations for my live streams. So they're like, uh, the bass pedals I play are MIDI control. It's like a keyboard for your feet, mm -hmm. which is a MIDI controller. It controls a synth, but I could also send MIDI out to the computer and control these animations, which are basically like digital puppets or something, you know? Mm -hmm. So stuff like that is what I've been focused on. So it's pretty different than writing, but it's still like, some kind of this creative stuff and it takes a lot of time so. right and I guess it was because that's what I was immediately doing I guess was there was nothing else to do but live stream and so that's what my focus sort of went to this computer world right. and do you see do you see yourself continuing to do something like that or is it this was just sort of like a stop gap between this and getting to no i want to continue it i like i mm -hmm. like that stuff i'm mm -hmm. trying to i want to be able to perform <clears throat> this midi animation stuff live somehow i mean in theory it should yeah. work i haven't really tested the concept yet i'm uh i'm thinking about trying it for the release show on april 9th but oh, okay no mm -hmm. promises because it's mm -hmm. completely on uh charted territory right well that sounds okay that sounds interesting now um on the uh album itself like one thing that stands out visually of course is the album art on it i find it quite uh quite a beautiful piece of art um i believe her name's joellen bryden mm -hmm. um and would, whether i'm seeing it uh on posters in town or online ever is there any sort of uh Maybe, first of all, if you can say anything about uh, Joelle and herself. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that's a really special element of the record, for sure. Um, I've known Joelle and her, she's known me since I was a kid. I, she lives in Mount Pleasant. I grew up near Millbrook, and so that those communities were connected. We had... My parents would have, like, they had, like, a playgroup system where you'd go to different kids' houses and, mm -hmm. you know, like, the parents would hang out and all the kids would run around one person's house, like, one day a week, on the weekend or something. So they were, Joellen was part of that. So, yeah, I've known her since I was a kid. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess he had talked about doing a record cover a long time ago. And then she brought it up again, and I had this idea coming out. And, um, yeah, she really, uh, Um, I feel really lucky that she uh, took that on. So she, um, I gave her demos of the songs. So mm -hmm. she 
was listening to all the songs before um, before they were even finally recorded. So, yeah, I had all this. I had demoed all the songs at home, and I gave them to her, so she knew the songs and sort of made a painting around the stories in the songs. Okay, so is it like you just gave her the demos and she worked something from that, or did you give her some sort of direction and anything? No, I didn't do any direction. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it came out. It came out quite. It quite great. So, mm-hmm. um, now, ha, now, have you or have or are you still? Uh, is it still a pending date that you're playing in Ottawa? I believe Irene's Pub. No, that was that's past. Okay. Yeah. And how did how did that feel being live? I guess again, as I first have to ask, but I'm assuming that's the first one. Of the um, actually, I got sick and had to cancel that show. Um, but I have been playing live shows a bit. I, on the weekend, uh, there was uh, Peterborough performs at Showplace, mm-hmm. uh, put on by Paul Rellinger. I played at that, and that was great that was right, yeah. really fun and I played on uh, Saturday actually at the Ganaraska in Port Hope as well so there's been little performances happening and yeah feels good to be back out right yeah well, that's good uh, mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah I remember that because I was actually mentioning that um, on my uh, radio on Trent Radio that that was uh, happening, happening this past Sunday that that concert. So yeah, um, mm-hmm. and that was with a bunch of musicians. So that, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so now, uh, so back to sort of the theme of the album. Like, um, I guess even in uh, all the challenges we faced the last few years, what do you? Uh, find yourself that you gain that you're still uh you're still your home base is uh, somewhere like peterborough as uh, compared to any sort of global city of any sort <laughs> well why am i in peterborough <laughs> well not not so much why but i guess i'm trying to be in a positive sense as in like uh just on along what you're writing in the album like sort of what is what is the sort of uh what sort of is like something you gain from that and what is something you uh is there anything like you feel like you're missing out on kind of thing <laughs> uh gain from uh not really i don't yeah i mean i'm at the age where i don't feel like i miss i don't have the drive to be like <gasps> must see everything anymore so yeah i i don't worry about that too much and traveling around sort of i've done a bunch of traveling so yeah i think the traveling around has always made peterborough seem like pretty decent place because it has been affordable to live and has had a decent scene I don't know and what it might lack traveling has sort of uh, filled in that for me but Mm -hmm. I don't know that stuff is less important to me now I mean I have family here and you know right I don't need to do it all and um, what are like uh, some major uh, changes or adaptations you feel like you've had to make uh, as like a independent musician the last few years, like through the pandemic, you mean? Yeah, through the pandemic, basically as a result of that. <clears throat> oh, changes. Um, yeah. I don't know. Everything has changed. I think. Mm-hmm. I think we still don't. We don't know what's happening. Or what's going to happen, I don't think so. I mean... I have no idea what's happening. I'm just trying to roll with it. But, yeah. 
Okay. I mean, well, yeah, everything has changed. Who knows? Okay, but I'm still fight. I think it's a. Yeah, I think it's a good, important uh, opportunity to think of things we want changed or of like a better world or the way I think we think things should be ideally and try to make those things happen in that now everything feels like a bit of a blank slate or mm-hmm. I don't know I'm so used to doing nothing I'm not in a hurry to do things that are not uh, worthwhile and stuff and uh for your show on April 9th, uh, apologies that I don't really have a, don't know this already, but uh, what is like your arrangement for that? Are you just playing solo or are you having any backup? Uh, yeah, I'm going to play solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, and uh, how many, uh, and you're just basically, you're going to try and use uh, variety, like what you're saying. The MIDI, MIDI synthesizers, perhaps, plus your course, your acoustic instruments as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be like the instrumentation is. I use drum machine for a few things. I try not to use it for everything live. And yeah, I always play the MIDI bass pedals and a bunch of different stringed instruments, accordions. Yeah. Yeah, because so, some of your, you know, uh, <clears throat> instrumentation is quite, like, uh, well-ingrained and traditional, but at the same time, you seem to have a bit of a liking for sort of a backing kind of electronic sort of sound at the same time. Um, so, I like, you must find, a, I guess, a fascination with con- combining those two. Yeah, I mean, it's just... You mean like the bass sounds? Yeah, bass sounds. Uh, what are saying? The, the drum machine. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's it's kind of utilitarian, I guess, the use of those things. But the bass pedals especially is... Um, I sort of use that as... I don't... I almost feel I can't play without them because... What I'm playing in my hands and the bass pedals with my feet are sort of, it's sort of one instrument to me. So, I don't know. And I don't think of it as electronic. It's just like, I don't know, a pure sound. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. The drum machine is definitely pretty electronic. I still don't. It's fairly questionable to me. I still, I think, but we'll see what it does. Though I and I wouldn't want to make a human do what it does. I would feel bad being like just play these two things right over and over <laughs> again. Like right. I think there's I like that simplicity, and it's you. I don't. I would. Yeah, I would feel bad asking a human to do something that simple right okay i'm just going to say a few uh we've talked ballad of of pig's ear but i'm just going to mention uh, a number of other songs on the album and i'm not asking you to necessarily say what the song's about but just any sort of thoughts you have on any of these songs so i've played a few of these on my uh show on trent radio but uh first one i guess i'll say is the opening track accident is there anything you have to say about that song um, I just think it's, it's kind of a funny song. It's got a fun groove, I think. Uh, yeah, darkly funny, I guess. Okay. Meant to be darkly funny. And, uh, what about the third track, Sandy and Saul? There seems to be a story there that, uh. I don't know if I picked up the whole thing of it there, but uh, yeah, kind of a story about 
Yeah, about hanging out, drinking on the railroad tracks. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's meant to be, like, sort of a bagpipey sort of ballad, um, bagpipey uh, sort of tribute, march time tribute, yeah. Okay, yeah, that and track nine, Oldest Home Bum, seem to sort of take almost like a 1930s kind of theme to it. I don't know if there's something you like feel that's uh, a certain reason for that or if you feel like that age has some similarity to now or... That the 1930s? Like yeah. Well, I don't know. I never thought about that, actually. Those are just... Those are stories literally from right now and like 20 years ago so yeah I guess the fact that that kind of like poverty is existing in our you know and it seems to be getting worse I mean it's right Mm -hmm. you see it every day and it seems it's more blatant and brutal so I don't know that's uh, it's fairly uh, distressing I suppose that's why um, something yeah. to write about so yeah so obviously what you're saying is this uh, it's not of course not limited to Peterborough but what you see in Peterborough but being blatant and distressing kind of has an effect on your songwriting overall, like what you were doing even before COVID, obviously, if you said you were writing this before COVID. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, now, a piece I take uh, kind of a bit of a fascination with is number five, Don't Approach the Introvert. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I do find a bit of a humorous tone with that song as well but uh yeah uh, um i i guess i can somewhat relate to what you're saying in that song too but it's uh basically uh i i guess i'll put it in this way uh you, you can add anything to this too as if you want uh but um has the uh past kind of two years do you think made not necessarily yourself, but people you know even kind of more that way, kind of more introverted. Right. Uh, well, I don't know if I can speak to anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I don't even see the introverts, but I think, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I think in, yeah, I think in some ways for myself, I feel like yeah it probably did I feel like it's definitely like yeah broken my brain or made like whatever extremities I already had more extreme in some ways maybe I don't know so yeah there's definitely some hangover from all this isolation for sure um and uh Number uh, seven, uh, Gray Flowers. Anything you can say about that track? Yeah, it's just like a heartbreak track, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, now the one I was just playing this past weekend, uh, the final track here, uh, Hand Me Down My Synthesizer. So I know, isn't that, are you saying... Are you saying a departure from the synthesizer, or is you saying something like you're kind of stuck to the synthesizer? I wasn't uh, quite sure what to make. Yeah, it's it's a fairly. I think what I was. Oh, what I was trying to talk about was uh, kind of like how how old the synthesizer is now. Mm-hmm. Like it's. 
it's almost like a, I guess, yeah, it is, maybe it is me, like, trying to reckon with all the electronic instruments. It's kind of like, that instrument's pretty old now. It's almost like a folk instrument. Like, you could, when will it, when will it become, like, a folk instrument, or is it already, or whatever, you know, like, sort of, that hand-me-down, my... There's an old folk song called Hand Me Down My Walking Cane or something like that, you mm-hmm. know, like so just playing with like old timey music mixing with synthesizers, I guess, yeah. The whole record sort of is Yeah. Messing with a bit of that, yeah. Well yes, you certainly maybe could consider what uh musicians were using in the early 80s or so as maybe folk instruments now because that's not yeah. really what their versions are using these days yeah yeah it's in our digital age um uh now just uh yeah step back so when you did uh i believe 2019 is when you did your last may hemingway's uh album there hunter street blues um oh, i think there's one no there was another one um I forget when it was released. Uh, Skipland was released after that. Oh, was it? Okay. 2019, 2020. I don't even know when. I'm bad with time. Okay, well, time isn't so important. It's just uh, the sort of the themes you had on either Hunter Street Blues or the album you just mentioned. Um, uh, do they? Do you find they that? differs a lot from what you did on uh, on Community Garden. Mm, not really. No, I yeah. feel like the writing is very... Um, I mean, only... I do what I can, basically. And I don't think it changes that much. It's Hopefully it gets better and more refined album to album, but it's still really just me trying to do the best I can writing songs. So it's, people don't change that much. They do, but, you know. Okay. And, uh, just, uh, one more thing. Is there, uh, like, uh, anything else you want to say about, uh, what you're uh, doing or any details about uh, the April 9th show at Gordon Best? Um, yeah, it'll be... We have uh, Caleb Mohammed mm-hmm. is playing and Jay Swin and the... Oh, shoot. I forget the name. Jay Swin and the... I think oh, J.J. Swin and the Haymakers. Yeah, J.J. Swin and the Haymakers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I don't know, it'll just be a fun show at the Gordon Best. It's fun. I like seeing shows there and playing shows there are a treat too, so yeah. I might try to get some of these projection animation things going for my set, but we'll see. That's what I'm trying to figure out a bit in the coming days. Okay. Well I'll be quite and... intrigued to see if that happens, yes. Yeah, we'll have uh, the vinyl and CDs available. I don't know what else to say. It'll be, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. well, just uh, those two acts that you mentioned, do you have a, like, a long-standing relationship with either of those artists? Or Yeah, we've been, we've been playing together. That's who I was in the studio with yesterday was J.J. Swin. And Kayla is in that band, so yeah, it's kind of a bit of a just keeping. I don't know, just reusing artists, I guess, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but people doing their own acts. Um, yeah, JJ, we don't not a long-standing uh, relationship. That that band's only a couple of months old and um, the leader of 
that band is moving to Texas, so it'll be a sort of last Peterborough show for them too. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And, um, well, uh, thank you very much for this time today and taking out the time today. Uh, one thing I just might want to do just, uh, for audience is there, is there any, uh, track on your album that, uh, you don't feel we've discussed enough or that's there something, uh, you think you'd like the, uh, audience to hear because i'll just I'll probably play one track off this on my podcast oh right um i don't know but we haven't discussed enough um mm-hmm. we could play you could just play the pig's ear song maybe since we sort of got in depth to, in that yeah. into that song yeah yeah why not? okay why not yes and hopefully maybe uh we see, hopefully they'll pay more than $3 uh, a ticket in the future, but hopefully we'll see venues like that come back somewhat. Uh, anyway, yeah, hard to say, but uh, okay. Well, thank you very mm-hmm. much. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for your time today, and I'll uh, I'll put this together, and I, I can uh, send you a copy when I feel I have it properly edited and everything.
is my piece on Ben Roland. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I encourage you to go out on April 9th to Gordon Best Theatre and see him and the other performers that are playing that night. Uh, it's good to see that there is a live music coming back and hopefully it keeps going. We don't keep having this back and forth. And B, that, uh, you know, there's someone who really is affected by what happens in this city, our battle with poverty, and has something to say about it. So that I appreciated from Ben Drollin a lot. So I'll see you next time, I suggest pretty soon, on Corner of Hunter and George. And we'll close out just hearing a little bit more of them. And take care, everyone. Without further ado, our very own Benj Roland from the Red Dog. Enjoy. <laughs>